Tokusatsu, taking the form of many shows including Super Sentai, Kamen Rider, and Metal Heroes. And today, a group of fans come together to review it for you as Toku Secrets. Hey guys, this is Nathan Desai from AnimeSecrets.org. This is our third time attempting this review, and unfortunately we don't have um, as many people here, but as the Nostalgia Critics theme song says, the review must go on. So, um, so yeah, we're continuing on with our uh, Juoja reviews. Uh, last time we reviewed episodes two through six, um, where just to sum up what happened in a nutshell, uh, they met a gorilla Jew man, and uh, he gave Yamato some powers, and that's about it. Um, <laughs> My boy, and oh, this this is Anthony, by the way, in case you're wondering. Yeah, Anthony's here, so yeah, and then Ronald Buzzy comes on, Ronald Buzzy, aka blah blah blah, aka blah blah blah, aka blah blah blah. Okay. Okay, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> but um, okay, so um, there are there has been some uh, there's actually been quite a lot of news that's happened um, that's been announced in the. Uh, world of tokusatsu recently since our last review um we're probably i don't want to go into much detail though because uh uh my poor, i would like to give like the inside of at least uh Rit, ronald riz and uh chris if they're in these reviews so i'd like to have more people to discuss that so we will discuss that in our next review when we uh um, when we hopefully have more people on it um but one thing that i will tell you about is that uh they're um Back last month, I attended Power Morphicon, and while I was there, I interviewed uh, three guys, actually. I uh, was able to interview Sean C.W. Johnson, who played Power Rangers' residential Chuck Norris, uh, Carter Grayson, and, mm -hmm. and I also interviewed um, Red Fisher, who played uh, the American-exclusive Ranger, the Titanium Ranger, uh, Ryan Mitchell. And I also got a full review with Eddie Frierson, who voiced uh, Frax from Power Rangers Time Force. So, uh, yeah, Riz will hopefully have those reviews up, uh, interviews up pretty soon. Um, uh, I know that uh, it's actually been quite a while since I did those videos, but uh, hey, we're all busy these days, am I right? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's stuff to look for. Um, other than that, uh, just uh we're going to be trying to do as many videos as we can i apologize for the lack of content um we might have some problems getting out the ghost videos because unfortunately i think um a lot of us have just kind of lost the motivation to catch up with it given how it's i'm literally only one episode away from like the, like finishing like the main story stuff i don't really watch the fillers unless they're really good but yeah that's all to uh know um nothing really not much else to say. So uh, yeah, let's dive into the main topic of this video now, so that we can, uh, so, uh, so that we can just uh, get this whole thing over with. Because quite frankly, I'm, I mean, well, this is the third time. I mean, hey, I just want to get this part over with. But um, anyway, so speaking of Common Rider Ghosts, um, the first episode that we're reviewing here is episode seven, which is called uh, "Go Go Go Ghost Appears." And this is pretty much the first part of a two-parter episode, uh, with the second part being from uh, being part of the uh, Common Rider Ghost. Uh, being part of Common Rider Ghost, um, <clears throat> it's like the Spring Festival special that they've been doing. I guess I want to say since Pokuger, where uh, 
they have it so that the um, Super Sentai will cross over with the Kamen Rider series that's currently airing. Um, I mean, first, I mean, I don't really like how they only do it in the spring. I mean, personally, I would have liked uh, for them to do it around the time the Sixth Ranger comes in because I don't like how they're doing it, uh, like when the Sentai is hasn't even been airing for that long. Because I mean, keep yeah. in mind this is only the seventh episode, so. And hey, you may even recall uh, when we did uh, our early thoughts on Neen Ninja, how the um, crossover movie with Drive was uh, came out pretty early. Um, so that's kind of weird. I, I don't like that timing, but hey, what you going to do about it? Um, so uh, anyway, <clears throat> um, so the plot of this episode is that it's mainly a uh, Tusk and Amu episode where... Amu is out doing her girly girl things, and thus she's forcing all of her chores on Tusk, and Tusk gets mad, but then when they have to fight this monster that using, that's using a syringe, oh, sorry, not my, Death Galleon, not monster, because that's what they call it, uh, they, um, he uses this syringe to take control of Amu's mind and turn her against Tusk, and <clears throat> Tusk has to find a way to get her back, and while that's happening, the other three Jewogers, that being Yamato, Leo, and Sela, they they show up at the beach because they're responding to this other attack, which is being committed by um, a cyborg villain from the organization Shocker, which, uh, for those of you who are new to Tokusatsu, that was uh, the name of the uh, <clears throat> organization that the of the original Kamen Rider series, uh, Kamen Rider Ichigo, as he's called now. Um, he shows up and he fights them, and then of course they get aid from uh, Takaru, who shows up transforming into Kamen Rider Ghost, and they show off some stuff, and then they defeat that monster. Yurusen makes a brief appearance, and then Takaru disappears. And then all the Jew Ogres come together, they save Amu, and that's it. Um, yeah. It's continued um, in the. <clears throat> Uh, this whole two-parter is continued uh, in the episode of Ghosts that aired alongside this. Um, although in that case, uh, it's only just a crossover between Takaru and uh, Yamato. Uh, so, yeah, not really much to say there. Uh, personally, the episode was okay to me. I do think that you probably should have made it a lot more like... I mean, a, a lot more of a Kamen Rider folk... Like, an episode that does bring the whole plot of the of the spring festival uh, of the spring vacation. Sorry, uh, um, special in it because uh, I mean I don't know. I'm, it, it's more like a filler episode that just so happens to have a scene with Takaru wedged into it. I mean other than that, it's mostly just an episode revolving around uh, uh, Tusk and Amu having problems. So that's yeah that you. Pr you probably um i haven't seen the uh, the ghost episode and maybe that one is a lot better uh this episode wasn't bad um i mean it but i hear that maybe this one might be so far the worst uh crossover special because i hear that the tokyo and gaim and uh Neen ninja and drive ones were pretty good so they're pretty good but this one was man um and yeah we will cover the uh second part um now review and ghost um but yeah there's uh i mean not really much to say other than that um i mean i liked it um i was i mean it did kind of briefly give me hope that 
did kind of briefly give me the thought that maybe they would push for a Tuscan Ami relationship because I don't know. I mean, everybody wants uh, Yamato and Amu to hook up, although I'm not for that, honestly. I mean, I, f I would find that to be kind of weird, but I don't know. I mean, honestly, <clears throat> with this kind of team, you know, while we're on the whole romance uh, train thing, I don't know. I like to cons I've always kind of seen the Jewogers being a lot like the Flashmen or uh, Jew Rangers, you know, the kind of people where I really wouldn't ship any couple because they all just seem like a family, honestly. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, there are some Sentais like that, and I know that there are Sentais like Gogo Five and Maji Ranger, where the, where they actually are families. But then there are those seasons where the Rangers aren't like biologically related, but they still just seem like families. So it's hard to ship any couple like that. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, okay episode. Um, so. After that, we get a uh, we get a few filler episodes. Um, we have episode eight, which is a uh, episode focusing on Leo. And in this episode, Leo meets this um, aspiring uh, guitar player who's actually hoping to um, audition to have his songs played uh, by a record company. And while that's happening, uh, they. <clears throat> Uh, the Jew Ogers encounter of this uh, motorcycle-like guy who uses this uh, air horn to play this uh, melody that causes people to go insane when they hear it. Uh, and while that's happening, uh, the musician falls victim to it, and he hurts his hands, and he also starts uh, using it on the Jew Ogers, too, and, it work and uh, Sella's the one who's, of course, uh, affected the most, because, remember, Sella's... Uh, superhuman ability as part of her G-Man powers is enhanced hearing. Um, so, while the episode is giving us some comic relief antics with Sela going to great lengths to make sh to uh, prevent herself from hearing it, you know, she like wraps her head up in tape and then she puts on a bicycle helmet and some and some earmuffs and all that. It's actually pretty funny, honestly. Um, uh, Leo's trying to help uh, Leo's trying to help the guy. I can't remember what his name is, uh, but he's trying to help him like continue on to try and uh, go on with his audition because it's what he aspires to do. Plus, he really wants to help this guy because he's never heard music before and he took a real big liking to it. Um, which it sounds a lot like Leo, honestly. I I'm sure he would enjoy music. Uh, and then... Um, Thanks to Leo using headphones to listen to the guy's music, he's able to uh, prevent himself from hearing that the Death Galleon's uh, little melody thing. So he's able to easily defeat the monster. Uh, they they defeat they defeat him, and while the guy doesn't make it, he still manages to. Uh, the guys still say that they still want to hear more for him. So it ends on a pretty decent uh, note, uh, and it's just a standard filler episode in this case. Um, nothing really, nothing of really any note, but hey, I mean, I, I like Leo in this episode at least, so. I would say, I mean, I mean, honestly, for right now, um, at least at the point of this episode, because uh, I don't want to take uh, the world in, because uh, we haven't gotten to this point yet, but it, as far as, like, going uh, from breaking the uh, Jew-Ogers from Best to Worst, I would say, uh, I would have Yamato as number one, uh, 
Then I, then after that, it would have to either be Leo or Sella as my second favorite. I haven't uh, been able to figure that out. Um, after that, there's Amu, because she hasn't really done much, but she's still a likable character, at least. Um, and then after that, there's Tusk, who, even now, um, even at this point with uh, the world in there, um, I still have to say he's my least favorite, Tusk. I, I, I just can't get... I just can't really get into him, and it's funny because I usually like the serious guys the most, but I just can't get into it, into him. Yeah, I mean, I love Hikari from Tokyujur. Uh I love Soji from Kyoryujur, and you know that Anthony does. Because, hey, profile, I like him. <laughs> I mean, hey, Kyoryu Green is his uh, profile pic on Skype, so you know this guy loves uh, Soji, but, but I, I just can't get into Tusk that much, but, hey, we're going, we're getting a little bit off track here, uh, yeah, the point of this episode was that it was a pretty good Leo episode, standard episode, but, hey, I mean, I would rather have, uh, I would rather have filler episodes that are at least decent, as opposed to Tokyujur's, uh, filler episodes that revolve completely around Togachi and are just completely lame. I mean, I mean, hey, at least they're not giving us filler episodes where a male ranger kisses another male ranger. And I'm, <laughs> and I am looking at you, Tokyo. Why did you have to have Akira and Togachi kiss? And no, this isn't me uh, implying any homophobia. That was just a really awkward and kind of stupid moment, so, um, so I apologize. That's not. That wasn't my intention. Um, yeah, and if you think about it now. Togachi, even though he has a body of a adult, this is a child, basically. So basically, Akira, a demon, is kissing a child. That still sounds, it sounds even weirder now that not a phrase oh, like that now. wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Anthony just now gave me another reason why that episode was stupid. Um, yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so after that, um, episode nine, we get, uh, it is a Sela-focused filler episode, so you already know it's going to be good because it's uh, revolving around one of the better G-Ogers. Um, yes. <clears throat> uh, pretty much with this episode, um, the well, okay, as we start off, um, we know, like, us, us, like, the audience, but not the G-Ogers in the actual show, um, notice that things start to repeat, it, start to repeat themselves because um, the G-Ogers... They arrive and they fight a uh, Death Galleon guy who's like this uh, plant-themed uh, monster, and they and uh, Sela, Leo, and Yamato defeat him and Juo King with with Juo King, and uh, then they arrive home and Sela goes to write something and then they get alerted to the Death Galleon. They go and fight him and then they defeat him and Juo King. Then they come home and then Sela goes to write something and then they get you, you get what I'm saying. Um, yeah. In fact, literally the first scene um, where they walk in and Yamato's all like, "Hey, uncle, I'm home." Uh, they uh, uh, they play the opening sequence. Then we see the exact same uh, me- like battle with Juo King, and you're just like, uh, "Did I accidentally hit the rewind button or something?" Cause, That's my thought too when I first watched it. I'm like, "What's going on here?" Yeah, like I'm pretty sure some I'm pretty sure some kids were like, "Did did the broadcast did like TV?" Akashi, like, Ashi, or whatever the channel is that airs Super Sentai, like, did they just, like, screw up with the broadcasting or something? 
But um, it's just weird. <clears throat> so the finding this monster, as it too, as it turns out, um, he's used this uh, this like gas or something like that from a plant that he's created to put everyone to sleep, or be or be trapped in this nightmare where they repeat the same day uh, over and over again. Uh, so yeah, they're pretty much ripping off Groundhog Day, but hey, whatever. That's a good movie. Um, and, and while he's doing that, he's wanting to make this huge plant grow so that he can use it to kill all the kill all the humans. Uh, you know, as part of the Death Galleon's plan. And while that's happening, Sela uh, begins to catch on to the days repeating themselves when her enhanced hearing ability helps her like hear a cry or something. And and like maybe during the third time that they're fighting the Death Galleon, that's when Sela and then Yamato catch on that uh, they're repeating themselves. And Yamato eventually wakes up, and then they help everybody recover, and then they come together. Um, and part of the reason why they're able to remember this is that Sela actually remembers that she was at, that she was writing a letter to her parents to hopefully send back to Juland because. Apparently she's feeling really sad that she can't be in Juland right now because her parents were apparently um, they're having their wedding anniversary and she's sad because she can't be there. Um, so Yamato encourages her to write her, them a letter. He actually catches Sela crying, which is obviously a rare thing, seeing as in the past Sela's been trying to pass, trying to come off as like the tough tomboy esque girl. Um, yeah, it's really rare to see her. See her even like get even like a shred of tears coming out of her mouth, out of her face. I mean, it's like if you saw Luca from Gokai or Prime, uh, which has happened before. Don't even right. It's very rare. You, you if you see it once, you probably won't see it again. Yep. Um. And so yeah, they catch on. They go to fight the Death Galleon. Um. They get saved by this uh, mole duo cube, which was apparently like a. He had been resting in the ground, and the roots of the plant like like hit it and woke it up. So it comes up and he's like, "Hey, how dare you, like, prop prevent me from sleeping?" And then he shows up and he frees the he frees the duogers, and then they defeat the Death Galleon uh, by combining duo wild yeah duo wild uh, with the mole thing, which gives it a which gives it a drill weapon because, yeah, because at some point some guy decided that every series in Super Sentai that gives you different arm attachments, one of the arm attachments always has to be a drill. Um. Yeah, but I do like these arm attachments though. Like they're not actually like arm attachments themselves. They're like they're more or less like weapons that that the Zoologists can use. They're not like switch an arm and take it off and then you can just use that it's more or less like yeah an array of weapons basically but still we always have to have the drill one which is fine i mean it's something i mean it's a tradition i get it i don't mind um yeah plus i will say this i mean even though this thing does come out of nowhere uh even in the context of the universe this makes sense i mean hey if i was a mole sleeping down in the ground and a plant came out of nowhere and woke me up i'd be pretty pissed off too so, yeah, makes sense. Um, so they defeat the Death Galleon, and then the episode ends with a kind of a, you know, on a weird note where um, Yamato brings up 
uh, Sela's parents to the other Juogers, and then they all of a sudden ask Yamato about his parents, and Yamato and Uncle Mario, like, dodge the question. So, yeah, that's a bit of foreshadowing for later episodes, which I hope goes somewhere, although I really have to wonder, like, you've been staying with Yamato for probably at least a month now, and you're only just now asking him about his parents? That's kind of weird, guys. Um, but yeah, it was a good filler episode. I mean, hey, like I said, I really like Sela, and this revolves around Sela, and it gives uh, gives some good establishment of her character. So yeah, I really liked it. Plus, uh, I do like how, again, they acknowledge a part of the lifestyle with. Um, I do like how they acknowledge uh, some of the lifestyle in Juland um, instead of you know, giving Sela another reason why she wants to, uh, return, um, return home. Uh, I, um, I can't really think of any flaws, um, I, I, plus I do like how, um, how they're, how they just, like, naturally catch on to the fact that, <clears throat> uh, they're repeating themselves, and, plus, I mean, hey, it's a nice touch that both Sela and Yamato catch on, because, you know, they're both obviously the, watch. Actually, yeah, I would honestly call them the smartest ones. I, I know that they like to pass off Tusk as being the smartest one because he's the uh, most serious, but I don't know. I've never... He's book smart. There's a difference between being book smart and, like, no, and, and being aware. Like, I, I, I would imagine Yamato and Sela are much better at thinking on their feet. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Anthony, what did you think of the episode? I think it was actually for for filler goes. It actually was a pretty good episode. Mm-hmm. Like, I do like the like the more him like Yamato and Sela are getting along with each other and forming some more of a bond. They're not like relationship level, but it's 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 a close bond still. Yeah. It's a good yeah. One. So after that, we get our um, two parter episode um, episodes uh, ten and eleven. Um, Although, although they're both, it's it's technically a two part, but the two episodes are given different titles because uh, unlike Power Rangers, they like to do that in a uh, Super Sentai where they give the two episodes different titles, uh, which is yeah, that's just something I want to know. Um, yeah. Anyways, so so this episode begins um, where um, <clears throat> Jinnis, who is the uh, uh, he's the leader of the Death Galleon, by the way. Um, He's pretty much sick and tired of Azald and Kubal. Um, they're the two uh, team leaders of the Death Galleon. Of the Death Galleon, uh, they're their two generals. Um, he's sick of them failing all the time, so he decides to take matters into his own hands. So, what he does is that he uses this uh, switch, uh, this like electronic switch thing, um, where he traps. Uh, the Jew Ogers, as well as a small portion of the city in this force field where it can only be shut down in a small period of time, uh, only if they find the switch. And if you touch the force field, then you die. Um, <clears throat> and while the Jew Ogers are looking for the switch and they have no luck, this causes every all the Jew men except Damu to uh, kind of see it as like you know, they can't find the switch in the same way they can't find the, uh, sixth, uh, champion symbol to get back home. 
you know, they go off on Yamato, you know, can be like, hey, I mean, it's okay for you to be optimistic because, you know, you're at home and we're not. Um, but then when they see all the humans in peril and they realize that even if they're not at home, they're still in the same situation that the humans are in, uh, they, they suddenly, you know, do get a bit more optimistic. Uh, they need to get, just need to get it together, basically. Yeah. They, got, they got the stuff together. And uh, then everyone except Amu manages to play a part in finding the uh, the switch. Uh, Yamato's eagle eye vision allows him to locate it, and then he calls out to Sela, who is able to hear with her super hearing ability, and he tells her where it is. And then Leo jumps up, and he climbs up and grabs the switch, and then throws it to Tusk, who then crushes it. Um, I guess you couldn't have Amu do anything unless she just was going to eat it. Um, then it'd be gross to her. <laughs> but. So yeah, they switch the force field off and uh, everyone gets to safety, but then it turns out that it was all just a trap. Um, when they hit the switch, they also turned uh, the switch thing that created the thing in the first place into this robotic monster called GIFT, which I think is an, which I think is like an acronym for something. Uh, I, I'm not sure, but uh, so. Yeah, Gift comes, you know, Gift comes up and uh, he starts overpowering the Juo Ogres. Uh, he overpowers them in both Juo Wild and Juo King, and everyone gets defeated and they're blown away. Um, and when Yamato gets separated from the others, he gets saved by this guy who we're supposed to be fooled into wondering who he is, even though it is clearly just the Birdman in his flashbacks in a human form. And that's how the first part ends. Um, Pretty much the Birdman. Uh, we know his name now. Um, yeah, we do. But at the point in this episode, we didn't, so I'm not going to give anything away yet. Uh, oh, and uh, a thing to note here. Um, the guy who's playing uh, the Birdman guy in his human form, um, I don't know what his actor's name is, but he previously played another tokusatsu hero. Um, he was the... He was the secondary writer in the Kamen Rider series, uh, Kamen Rider Fives, and um, I'm pretty sure you pronounce his character, uh, the name of his writer, uh, named uh, Kamen Rider Kaiza, I think. Uh, and so yeah, that's an uh, interesting note of trivia. Uh, yeah, we got this uh, one mentor-esque character, and because hey, I mean, I guess in Kamen Rider Ghost, when Takaru's father is played by the guy who previously played Yellow Lion in Live Man. I guess you can have a mentorized character play, uh, who was previously a common Rider be played in, by a guy in Super Sentai. Makes sense. Mm. Um, so yeah, this moves into, uh, episode 11. Um, the Jew-Ogers arrive back home, and they realize that Yamato has been injured because he passed out, uh, shortly, uh, after he saw the Birdman, um, and Yamato recognizes him as the Birdman and gets the hint that he might have the champion symbol. So he encourages the Jew-Ogers to go and challenge him so that they can get the champion symbol back, although he offers to stay behind. And while they're doing that and gift attacks again, because, you know, in order for the uh, plot in order to, for some plot convenience, uh, Gift ran out of energy and shut down. Um, and then where Gift attacks, he goes and attacks by himself, because that's Yamato, and he is a badass, and he is doing what he does best. Mm -hmm. 
It's actually, this actually really got me to like Yamato. I mean, even when uh, the monster grows, uh, well, he doesn't call out his uh, cube eagle, but he actually goes into his beast unleashed form where he, like, calls out his wings, and then he starts, uh, like, attacking him from the air. And, hey, even when uh, Gift knocks him out of the air and he's forced to dehension, he just tensions again and keeps at it. So, go Yamato. <laughs> but, uh, meanwhile, with the uh, Geoman, um, they confront the Birdman, and while they start asking him uh, for the champion symbol and why he won't give it back, um, he actually reveal um, we, he doesn't reveal anything. But the dialogue that he gives us does give us does give us some hints that he might be a little bitter towards Julian or something because he basically says that he wants to cut off all ties to such a horrible land. So yeah. He probably has a strong hatred towards you. Why? Well, right now we don't know, but that's something to know. Um, so they hopefully they'll hopefully they'll explain that, but I, I but I'm sure they will though. Yeah. Uh, maybe some guy. Maybe he just had some big enemies in Julian, or maybe he was banished. Who knows? We'll find yeah. out later, hopefully. Um. So. After that, uh, they get into a fight with him, and they get overpowered when they're in their Jew-Man forms, but then when they transform into uh, the Jew-Ogres, they start to, uh, you know, beat him down. Um, and they knock the champion symbol out of his hands, and but just as they're about to retrieve it, they see Yamato, and he's getting his, and he's getting his butt handed to him by gift. Like, he's just getting thrown around, and they realize that Yamato wanted them to go home for their sake and he was will and he's willing to stay behind and protect the human world by himself if it means they go home um, and they kind of realize and you know they're touched by Yamato's uh, determination to keep them safe but they also realize that they're not just in the human world because they feel like they're forced to stay there they do genuinely care about the world so they choose to stay um, and help Yamato. Uh, they all come together to fight Gift, and they combine all of their mecha together. So I'm guessing it's about, uh, um, I'd say, yeah, um, eight mecha together, uh, yep. which includes the uh, which includes uh, their five, uh, their main five ones like eagle, shark, lion, elephant, and tiger, uh, plus Yamato's gorilla. And the two auxiliary ones that they have, uh, the Kirin and Mole. And they all combine to form Wild Duo King, which, as with which part for the course of the Duo uh, Jers Mecha, looks pretty cool in the show, actually. It does. Uh, I really like it. Plus, hey, I mean, it's really cool to see the, uh, all of them together in one cockpit. Because. Uh, I don't know. Much like Linkara said in his uh, in his uh, Power Rangers SPD review, um, I've never really liked it when the Rangers get separated in the um, in the cockpit. I always like to see them all together in the Mega. Yeah, me too. Cockpit. Um, even though in this case it wasn't one of those cases where they're all combined together, but they're still kept in separate cockpits. But you get what I'm saying. Um, uh, they defeat Gift and. The Jew-Ogers 
you know, are still remaining optimistic that they will get the champion symbol back. Um, now, this episode was good, but there is one pretty big nitpick that I have to give, which in this case is that the whole scene where the Jew-Ogers could have gotten the champion symbol but then go back to help Yamato, um, that, I get what they were trying to do, but the but where they fail at that is that the champion symbol right is right in front of you. So what would have stopped you from walking to the champion symbol, picking it up, and then walking away to help Yamato? Exactly. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, if you wanted to make this scene work a bit better, you could have it so that I don't know, maybe have it so that the champion symbol gets knocked out of the guy's hands, and it's about to fall off a cliff, and they have in that split second where they can go and catch it, that's when they see Yamato in trouble and they go and help them, forgetting about the champion symbol. Or yep. you could have it so that maybe it falls into a river or something and they can go after it while it's floating away, but then they see Yamato's in trouble and they realize that they have to go help him. Um, I know that that's kind of a minor nitpick, but I think just small little changes like that would have made this episode probably perfect, in my opinion. Um, Plus, I don't like how they just established that the Birdman has the champion symbol now, even though we never get a scene of him picking it up. Like, that again, you probably should have had it so that it fell off a cliff, and then the scene after they pick up Gift, Mm -hmm. they defeat Gift, you see the uh, Birdman walk up, he picks up the champion symbol, and it's like, yeah, so I have this again. Ha, ha, ha. But... Um, <laughs> other than that, though, it was good. It's, uh, it definitely establishes the uh, bond that the Jew Ogres have formed so far. Um, yeah. Plus, like, like I said, I like to consider this team a family. And, this episode, and it's episodes like this that definitely help me affirm that thing. Like I said, man, I agree with you on the whole thing about like how they could have easily just gotten that cube. Like, there was nothing that could have stopped them. Like, there was four of them. One of them could at least, like, maybe have gone, like, like, hey, we're going to help go help you. You, you know, you try to get the cube and, we'll, and meet us up there or something. Mm-hmm. I could see going one of them playing against him and, you know, they decided to go the cube or just, just save the friend. But, like, it was all, it was four people inches away. I honestly no excuse. But it's still good. Uh, literally, like, literally, my table is like two feet in front of me. Like, if the table, if that, if that was a link between me and the cube, I would have been able to get that cube, no problem. Right. But, I mean, it's still a good episode, and Juo, uh, Wild Juo King is awesome for the record. Um, not much to say other than that. Um, and pretty much from this point forward, it's uh, filler episodes. So we'll just uh, skim through these, uh, unless it's an interesting episode, which uh, these next two ones are admittedly not. Um, We have episode 12 next, and it's called The Short-Nosed Elephant. Um, It is a Tusk-centric episode uh, where Tusk gets involved in this, like, little scuffle with a bookshop, with a bookstore owner. Um, This guy who drives away customers um, because he's being supposedly a just supposedly being a jerk, and then he forces Tusk to, uh, help him, uh, help him work, because his arm gets broken, and Tusk has, and Tusk has to work to, uh, cover his medical bill, um, and while that's happening, Tusk realizes that this guy's bitter toward people, because he feels that people don't have 
enough respect for books anymore. Uh, which, to be fair, is probably kind of a fair assumption, seeing as you don't really see people read that much these days. Um, and so he hopes to uh, help give people more into books. So he takes this uh, kid storybook called The Short-Nosed Elephant, and he goes into the park and he tries to read it, read it to some kids, and they don't like it at first, but then the other G-Wilders show up and they start acting the story out, like you know, they're dressing up like animals, going full on. Yeah. Um, which was kind of a weird scene. Um, <laughs> and then while they're doing that, they have to fight this deaf galleon who is using this plan where he apparently wants to take away the languages of people, like destroy the letter and like the letters and languages of people so that they can't talk, which then will result in cultures collapsing, which will then result in the world collapsing. And yeah, that's uh, a uh, that's this brain's pretty stupid. <laughs> and yeah, that's a stupid plan. But hey, I saw a Ghost Ager episode where um, a villain's plan was to make the world incredibly hot, which would then cause people to turn on their air conditioners, which would then cause a massive amount of pollution. So hey, uh, that's still not the dumbest plan ever. That yeah, air monster wise, is pretty dumb, but you know. But, you know, this is a filler episode, and, you know, you got to expect this kind of silliness from Super Sentai at some point. Yeah, um, true. Um, so, yeah, Tusk defeats the monster, um, and then they all come together, and they defeat it, and the book, um, the uh, bookshop owner who discovers Tusk's identity, you know, he grows to appreciate him, and, you know, uh, you know, appreciates him uh, making his bookstore a bit more popular and people wanting to hear stories, and it ends on a good note. Plus, this is one thing that I always like. Um, I, I noticed this since a few episodes. One thing that I've never really liked about uh, some Super Sentai episodes is how the ending always has to be a big... The ending always has to end on, like, some comedic note. Um, you know, um, like, for example... Uh, the Mega Ranger episode where they defeat Neji Blue and Mega Silver dresses up like Neji Silver. You have the mentor uh, beating Mega Silver over the head like, how dare you dress up like Neji Silver? And yeah, that happened. Um, wow. And, um, or, you know, like a really dumb ending like we're going to get in next episode. But a lot of Jew Ogre's episodes really just end on a more natural note. Like you just have the Jew Ogre's feeling, like, okay guys, we saved the day. Let's go home. And then they're just like, okay. And it just ends on a bit more of a natural note. Like, you don't have to force in any of this comedic junk. Just end on a more natural note. Yeah, but they do that sometimes when it comes to, like, Mario. Like, he's mostly their comic relief, sad. So, yeah, I really appreciate that. I know that that may be something weird to make a big deal out of. But I honestly do like it because I've never... Because I don't know, I, I've always just felt that sometimes you have, Sentai's been going out of its way to force comedic endings into... But we already have that in powers. we don't need this, we don't need, we don't need to hear, I really don't. I mean, maybe there's a few, uh, I mean, there's a few times where it can be funny, you know, like, uh, Dawn forcing Marvelous to help him cook food, and Marvelous accidentally touches the body, like, oh my god, that's hot! But, <laughs> but, um, but yeah. I do like how Jewelers just ending on more natural notes. Like none of like they don't like if you can't think of a comedic ending, don't try to force something into it. Um, 
just ended on a good note. And that's how exactly. I've always been doing it. Yeah, um, exactly. As far as how this episode makes me feel about Tusk, um, I may hate Tusk a little bit less after I watch this episode, because I do like his desire to read, because, I mean, and being a book smart guy, but I don't really think this did much justice to Tusk either. Um, it's, it's just a standard filler episode. I, I, I don't hate Tusk, I mean, compared to the Tokugers and all that, he's not exactly a bad character, but I'm still not a huge fan of him. Um, so after that, we have yet another Leo-focused filler episode. Um, in this episode, um, oh, now one thing I should have said, um, one thing so that we can uh, set up the beginning of this, um, uh, in the earlier episodes, uh, they had drawn pictures of the champion symbol, and they were handing out flyers asking people if they'd seen it. Um, now in this case, they've had, uh, uh, Stella actually did this. She made, like, a realistic-looking sketch of the Birdman, and... Now they're handing out flyers with a picture of the Birdman on it, you know, so that they can find the cube. And as this episode begins, um, this girl named Yuri, she shows up claiming to have seen the Birdman at the top of this mountain, um, which at the top of the mountain is this weird-shaped rock that looks like an axe. Yeah. And, and I note that because that's going to be a bit of a that's going to be a bit of a plot point. It will be important later. Um. And she wants to help the Jewelers find the Birdman, so she starts leaving in there. Uh, and Leo, being the uh, ladies' man that he is, he obviously falls in love with Yuri. Um, and, you know, of course Leo has to be a ladies' man, because what lady can't resist that hair of his? Um, right, it's just, it looks like, I swear he looks like a Rastafarian with that hair. Um... The only, but unfortunately, there's only one problem. Yuri appears to have the hots for Yamato and not Leo. Um, yeah. And of course, um, this makes Leo kind of angry. He's going out of his way to try and help Yuri, and she just seems to be obsessed with Yamato. Um, and while they're searching for the uh, Birdman, they get involved with this uh, Death Galleon plan, where apparently this, uh, with the newest Death Galleon, has apparently gone up to the top of the mountain, and he's using this machine to like. Uh, um, absorb energy from the mountain, which will apparently kill all plants and all that, which, to be fair, is kind of a decent plan. You know, kill all plant life. Um, and the, and Leo eventually decides that, you know, he'll protect Yuri, but he accepts her feelings for Yamato, uh, and he manages to, uh, defeat the Death Galleon while, watch me, no, he distracts the Death Galleon while Yamato stops his, uh, his whole machine. Uh, they fight the Death Galleon, that weird-shaped rock that we just mentioned turns out to be another cube, which in this case is a bear that becomes an axe. Uh, which, to be fair, yeah, that may be a little convenient, but hey, a weird-shaped rock turning out to be a duo cube, I can be that. I can buy that. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And then the episode ends, um... Unfortunately, not every duo episode can end naturally, because this does kind of give us a weird ending, um... It turns out that Yuri likes Yamato because he reminds her of her parents. I was like, what? That's not quite Jewelger's lawnmower episode, but 
that was a pretty stupid ending. I mean, I kind of got a, it kind of got a little bit of a laugh out of me when I first did this, but at the same time, I'm just like, how does a human remind you of your parakeets? Exactly. I mean, I guess if you think about it, like a deeper perspective of it, that that she was maybe referring to, like maybe Yamato is becoming a zoo man. It's probably what it is, but yeah. it is, but and it's quite the case. Here because he doesn't he doesn't have any features yet besides the whole eye ability thing. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't make sense if he actually like sort of looked more bird like, but it's just it's just the power. That's all he has. I mean, okay, maybe I mean reminding you of a dog. Okay, you can get away with that. You know, like oh, he's so adorable and he's so loyal, just like my dog, but not a parrot. Yeah, but. yeah, like that. That just sounds dumb. If it was a dog, I would be a bit more accepting of that ending. Yeah. Maybe it sound weird when she says that. Like, who, like, who thinks about their birds like that? Like, um, she was adding, she's just, just at, the way she was adding, she was adding, like, she was, like, full-on, like, in love with this guy. So was this girl in love with her parakeet? <laughs> maybe she's, so. like, hey, I mean... If she if she likes birds and maybe Birdman can give up and you know give 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 her some you know give her hey, some loving. <laughs> maybe that's how she found the Birdman. She has a thing for birds and she was looking for the Birdman. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, they don't find the Birdman at this. He just uh, he he left that location. But hey, you guys probably figured that because they're not going to find the Birdman that easily. Not worth it. Uh, um, you didn't think it'd be that easy, did you? You got like another whole season to find that guy. <laughs> So after the, uh, and as for this episode, I will say uh, it's probably Leo's weakest filler episode. Um, again, it's kind of a dumb filler episode, but hey, I'd rather have this than a dumb till future filler episode. Definitely. So after that, we get a sort of kind of ish two parter, um, 14 and 15, um, uh, with the overlying plot of these, of this two parter being that uh, there's these two uh, deaf galleons. Who want to are competing to uh, start a new team to uh, replace the um, to replace the Def Galleon that the Jew Ogre fought in the first episode, uh, Jagged, because he was a team leader um, alongside Kubal and Ozzy. Sure got sure got beaten pretty easy easy for a general. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so they're competing to decide who can be the new team leader. Um, and in this episode, this uh, kind of weird looking golem kind of guy um he's competing first uh, the only problem is that he's this weak guy that can hardly compete with the duelters um so uh and note that uh he turns invisible though so that he can uh, become so that he can come up with a plan but just keep in mind he's this pathetic guy who can barely compete with them um yeah and his intention is to steal money and uh, priceless things so that he can cause the world's economy to collapse in order to destroy the world Again, silly episodes, but hey, you know, uh, that's just what you get in Super Sentai at this point, so I can get over that. Um, mm, take it, I'll take it or leave it. Um. So while this is happening, uh, Amu meets uh, meets these two um, siblings named Marine and uh, Katsuhiro, and uh, they both get along really well. You know, they really are siblings, uh, like, you know, you know, the way that they behave around each other. Uh, the only problem is that Maureen 
has this disease in which she's uh, forced to stay in the hospital and she can only travel around in a wheelchair. And the only way to cure her is to go overseas so that she can receive this operation. And Kazuhiro has gotten a job as a security guard so that he can earn enough money to send her overseas. And Amu really takes a liking to these guys because um, she's just fascinated to see siblings getting along together so well. Um, so at one point, this uh, Death Galleon, he, uh, he bribed Kazuhiro into getting rid of the jew so that he can steal this priceless jewel from the museum that he's, that he's a security guard at. Um, and he offers him the money that he needs to uh, get Varin uh, the operation she needs. Now, of course, Kazuhiro agrees at first, and he traps the jew ogers. Um, but then he quickly backs down when Amu kind of just tells him, like, will you really be able to live with yourself knowing that you used money like this to get Maureen her operation? And he backs down in shame, and he frees the jew ogers, and they defeat this golem death galleon rather easily. And then Kazuhiro um, cheerfully leaves Amu, saying that he's going to give the money away, and... He's going to continue, and it ends on kind of a bittersweet note. Um, for the most part, this episode was pretty forgettable. Um, it was an Amu episode, and I liked Amu in it, um, with how she had such a happy... how she was so fascinated with siblings getting together. Um, yeah, I mean, it kind of made me wonder, did she have some siblings that she didn't get along with in Jewland? Um... We, in fact, honestly, I mean, both, sh we haven't really seen anything with, uh, hers or, uh, Leo's family life in Julian. Like, um, in the, pre in the, um, in the episode with, uh, Sella, of course, we established that she has a mother, um, a father, and her, um, and she has at least one sibling. Um, and in the Tusks filler episode that we just mentioned a little while ago, we did see, a brief scene where it showed Tusk sitting on his dad's lap, and his dad was reading him a, uh, reading him a book, but we've never yeah. seen anything regarding Amu or Leo, so maybe this is a hint that maybe Amu has a sibling that she doesn't get along with. Um, yeah, and of course we already know about Yamato, but he already, he established that he does have parents, but it's just that we haven't seen him, seen them. Uh, pretty forgettable episode, but hey, I mean, it's an Amu episode, and Amu was pretty good at it. Uh, anything yeah. you got to say, Anthony? Um, no, I pretty much said my piece already. Move on to the next part. Okay, so after that, we got episode uh, 15. Um, it's called the uh, Shiver Raising Sniper. Oh, and uh, by the way, the uh, the episode uh, the episode where uh, Leo was in love with that girl was called the Summit of Witnesses, and this episode that we just reviewed was called The Dummy Style Lying Thief. Um, so yeah, uh, this next episode, um, the jew Ogers are fighting the other guy who's trying to become uh, the Team Jacket leader. Um, he's this hunter guy who's like a, bit, who's a big sharpshooting guy. Um, and apparently this episode was actually based off an episode of Machi Ranger, but Anthony will tell you that because he's actually seen the series. Uh, but we'll wait till we get to the end of that of this review for him to mention that. Um, but this is pretty much a, a dual episode between Leo and Tusk, um, where Tusk is angry at Leo for just uh, for just doing things up front and just charging at things recklessly and not planning everything out. 
Um, and of course, this causes problems when uh, the hunter monster, he's able to uh, attack from a distance, and anybody he shoots turns into dolls, um, because that's totally threatening, isn't it? Um, <laughs> and after that, uh, so in the first battle, he turns both Yamato and Sela into dolls, so already the duoters are kind of screwed because they can't, because now they don't have Yamato's enhanced uh, eagle eye vision to locate the guy, and they don't have Sela's super hearing ability to locate them, so yeah, they're pretty much kind of screwed. Uh, I swear, I'm getting, getting like Magic Ranger flashback from like when Magic Yellow was fighting against a, a sniper once. Yep. And, uh, and of course, Tusk can't locate him because uh, he would have to uh, like catch the monster's scent, and he doesn't know what the monster's scent is, so yeah. Um, so, uh, Leo and Tusk, they start arguing on what to do, um, and it, but then when, uh, Amu gets, uh, when Amu gets hit, uh, they realize that, uh, they, they manage to discover where the monster is, and they have to set aside their differences in order to come up with a, uh, plan, so what they do is, they find this mannequin, and they have Leo dress up in the mannequin clothes, and have the mannequin, and put Leo's clothes on the mannequin, and they have, it look like Tusk is walking around with him, when in reality, uh, they just do that so that they can locate the monster so that Leo can get back, can get the monster's gun away from him. Yeah. <clears throat> pretty, pretty, uh, predictable plan, but, hey, they got the job done, so you can't really explain them for that. Um... So then all the duo just come together and they defeat the Death Galleon. Uh, Leo and Tusk realize that they don't exactly have, that they can actually work well together. And the episode ends with, uh, with in some comic relief ending, although this one does make sense, so I will get into it. Uh, where all the people that were turned into dolls are now all of a sudden crowded in Yamato's house. Because, uh, they got all the do they took all the dolls to the house so that they could keep them safe, which makes sense. Yeah, so. <laughs> so it's comedic endings like that that work because it's not forced and it makes perfect sense. So, oh, yeah, this was an episode that you kind of already knew was going to come right from the starting gate because, hey, I mean, Tusk is the serious one and Leo's the hyperactive one. You know these guys were going to go at it at some point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, apparently this was based on a Majin Ranger episode, because uh, it was like this, uh, and we did see this in Mystic Force too, where uh, there was um, an episode where uh, one of the guys, uh, they were called the Ten Terrors in Majin Ranger, I'm not sure what they were yeah. called, no, 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 not Majin Ranger, Mystic Force, uh, yeah. I, I don't know what they were called in, uh, in um, Majin they, Ranger. I think um, they were called the Titans, I believe. Okay. Uh, yeah, he was this Cyclops monster that was, like, shooting the Maji Rangers and, like, you know, hitting them out of commission. And, you know, I hear it was a really good episode in a Maji Ranger, seeing as he yes. defeated by Maji Yellow in a one-on-one -on -one battle. Um, and one of the most badass music, music songs ever for a man Ranger ever made. You need to go look up, go look up Yellow Thunder ooh. from Maji Ranger. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, Yellow Thunder, isn't that the name of uh, Maji Yellow's power? And, uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> like green, round, pink, storm, blue, black, yellow thunder. Um, yep. 
But but it was a pretty bad episode in uh, Mystic Force, seeing as it was just another Nick episode, and just an yes. excuse to debut his battleizer. Um, it was Nick's win. He should have he should have fought that thing. If Nick was a more likable character, I would have accepted that. But he's not, so I don't accept it. Yep. It was chip. It was chip. Well, I'm asking. I said chip. Sorry, I said Nick said chip. Dang. You should have given it to Chip because Chip was one of the very few likable things about Mystic Force. Mm-hmm. Even if Chip was the comic relief guy, and from what I know, uh, Subasa or whatever Montiello's name is, uh, I'm pretty sure he's one of the more serious characters. Yeah, he, he's the exact opposite of what Chip was. Yeah, I I hear that. I hear that um, of the main five, uh, the only one who's not as serious is uh, Kai, because, you know, he's the youngest one, so of course he's going to be a little different. Yeah, but, and also the uh, the Mystic uh, gloves that you see in, uh, in Mystic Force, it actually, actually uh, Subasa was the one that used them the most because he actually, actually was into boxing. Yeah. I, I hear that he was also a big alchemist, too. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll we'll talk about Majin for some other time. Uh, hopefully, yeah. I'll be able to uh, get. Hopefully, I'll be able to watch that series uh, all the way through pretty soon because I am looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, yeah, I've seen uh, the whole series all the way through. Um, so after that, we have episode sixteen. Episode sixteen is going to be the last episode that we're going to recover that we're going to cover this time. Um, this episode is called "Finding Jew Man," and. <clears throat> In this episode, um, rather than go with their general plan, uh, one of the uh, the uh, other Jew, uh, the other Defgallian general, uh, her name is Daria, and she's basically the uh, scientist. You know, she's the one that loyally follows Genis and makes the monster squirrel. She's pretty much uh, to Jewoger what Insarm was to Gokadger. Um, it was just very ironic that you'd say that when we get to the, when we get to that point. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, uh, Naria and this uh, Def Galleon that's uh, loyal to her, um, he's actually in love with her. And what? Wait a minute, wow. She really is Insarn because she has a monster of the day that's in love with her, just like Insarn did. Uh-huh. Although, thankfully, this monster isn't uh, getting thrown into garbage and uh, marrying the mother of a uh, Takoyaki. Uh, Stan, yeah, because that happened. Um, yeah, where, 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 where's the, where's Alan at? Um, so, <clears throat> so, uh, they're going around and they're looking for G-Man. Um, now most of the people that they do capture, though, are people who are dressed up as animals. Um, and of course, you could probably guess what happens from here. Uh, Uncle Mario dresses up like an animal, so he gets captured. Um, that poor, poor man. His, so, his fascination with animals is what got him caught. <laughs> so this, of course, causes Yamato to kind of lose his cool, which is kind of a big deal, seeing as Yamato, for the most part, is actually pretty calm, cool, and collective in most episodes. Uh, which is a real upside, seeing as they don't go all out and make him like this hyperactive, childish guy like Riker Takaharu. Um, like, hey, at least Yamato is not going around and be like, oh my god, this is so hot! Or something like that. Yeah, but, yeah, it was annoying. Thank you, Yamato, for not being Takahara. Um, but anyway, so he loses his cool and he becomes all desperate to find Uncle Mario. 
Um, we actually find out in a flashback that shows Yamato as a kid that apparently he would frequently run away from home and go to Uncle Mario's house. Uh, and hey, that's a subtle hint. Um, they previously hinted in an episode we, ju we just covered a couple of seconds ago that Yamato had some fam uh, parents issues and now here we are with the flashback showing him running away from home. So you're going to do some stuff with this subtly. I like that. Um, so of course Yamato becomes all desperate to save Uncle Mario. So eventually they go with the plan to have him dress up in one of Uncle Mario's suits. And um, he does. He dresses up like either a chicken or a bird or something like that. Um, and he gets captured and... <clears throat> Through that, he's able to uh, infiltrate where the enemy is, and he transforms into Jiro Eagle, and he saves everyone, even briefly saying hi to Uncle Mario, who, keep in mind, does not know that they are Jiro Eagle, for the record. Which, um, they, which they should have been there, so they did tell him, like, hey, we're Jiro Eagles, like, yeah. but then they still want to keep the secret for some reason. And they defeat the Death Galleon. Uncle Mario makes some brief comments on Juo, Eagle, like saying how awesome he is for saving these people, which of course makes Yamato pretty happy because, you know, he's always happy to please Uncle Mario. And this episode ends um, on a note, which we will continue on in the next video, where we find out that the Death Galleons did in fact capture three Jewmen, and they are transferring their powers into this human who is locked up. And that's how the episode ends. So, yeah. Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> so uh, yeah, this was a really good solo episode. I liked it. I do like how they established uh, the, how great of a relationship Yamato and Uncle Mario have. You know, to the point where Yamato cares about him so much that he'll lose his usually calm, cool, and collective mood. Um, um, I. Um, the only flaw that I say that I have with this episode, um, and I don't want to go into too much detail because it'll probably ruin uh, what we go into in the next episode, but that's really just with the ending. Um, you know, the fact that they captured these three Jew men. Um, why couldn't you have established these three Jew men as characters before? I mean, exactly. like imagine if they got Larry and he was one of the guys that they found and killed. That would be a much more powerful because we actually got to know people. Oh, and in case you're wondering, um, I, I guess it's okay for me to say this, but uh, the three human that they uh, captured were based off of a uh, crocodile, rhino, and uh, wolf. wolf. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the only real flaw in the episode, and hell, that plot point is only established uh, in the last five seconds, so I can forget that. Right. Um, but I do like... Uh, I do like, I really did like this episode, um, it, um, I, it, like I said, it gave us a few more subtle hints on what it's all, on what Yamato's relationship with his family may have been all about, maybe his parents were abusive or something, um, I mean, I'm not sure, I, I don't know if they've revealed anything else than, like, after the, after, in, in the future episode, but, yeah, so, but yeah, I really like this little episode, it established, uh, they did a good job of setting up uh, Yamato's relationship, not setting up, but going more into detail with Yamato's relationship with Uncle Mario. 
again, it's simple, but hey, sometimes simple can be really good. It's true. Uh, you got anything else to say, Anthony? Oh, basically, your points are basically my points. Like, the whole thing about, like, them not telling Mario that they are zoo soldiers is kind of ridiculous now that, now that he's been in danger before. Normally, before he was, you know, outside of the city, he's not really in danger, so... And we're about that. But you think that after after everything, he would, like, they would at least tell him the honest truth, because, like... It's like he's the only one that like is oblivious to everything. But say for instance somebody else that, that saw the new the new soldiers and, and were were aware of that they, who they could be. Mm-hmm. But you know, but him he just he just doesn't get it. Like I don't I don't get why that's that's why the virus decided, hey, look, we're just gonna make him be oblivious to everything, including the, you know, his only Nephew is being a being a zoologist, a centaur warrior. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, just to uh, wrap this whole thing up with uh, the impressions that we can have with you, Roger, after watching uh, these couple of episodes. Um, <clears throat> aside from a couple of missteps, I can still say that Roger is holding pretty firm. Honestly. Yeah. Um, um, in fact, I would say this right now. Now, to be fair, this isn't saying much at the time that this video is going off, uh, given how it doesn't really have the best competition, but I would say that right now, like even with the episodes that have aired um, beyond the that Geologer is probably the best Tokusatsu show that's currently in honestly. Um, because, I, I, mean, I mean, yeah, that's not saying much, because Kamen Rider Ghost, I heard, I hear, started going downhill after his Grateful Form debuted, and you know, then there's Power Rangers Dino Supercharge, which, again, compared to the compared to the first four years of the Neo Saban era, it seems like a godsend, but that's not saying much. Not saying much either. Because I mean, I mean, I haven't I haven't been able to keep up with Dino Supercharge because after watching the first couple of episodes, I just kind of lost my motivation to just filler after filler after filler. And I don't hate Dino Supercharge. I do think that Dino Charge is a good season, but Dino Supercharge is definitely not super. Um, um, but hey, you know, maybe Power Rangers Ninja Steel will, will uh, redeem that. Although, given how it's adapting Shuriken Sentai Ninja, I, I don't have much faith in it. Uh, and I'm not mm-hmm. sure... I'm not even sure if Yoshi's brother will be able to make it good, and I, I, I do have hope that it'll be good, but, I mean, I'm not sure. I'll, I'll have to watch it to see it. But, hey, this isn't about Power Rangers, though. This is talking yeah, about Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah. in case, uh, you know, honestly, if you just want to see our overall thoughts with the Dino Supercharge, you should probably wait until the season ends when we inevitably, inevitably just decide to just not review the remainder of the episodes on our Talk to Sentai Digital Ranger channel and then just do a full season review because, hey, that's probably the best course of action at this point. Um, but, yeah, as I was saying, uh, G-Wilder is still holding pretty good. Um, it's made a few missteps, like, you know, I said, uh, the whole, um, you know, the whole, uh, not being it, like, not just walking a couple of steps to pick up the the champion symbol, um, the dumb ending of that Leo episode, 
but it's still good. Um, I, I, I'm still really liking it. I mean, I'd probably say that for the first time since probably either GoBusters or Pure User, I'm enjoying the Sentai as I watch it, and I don't feel like it's a chore. Like, you know, right. Because it honestly felt like a chore when I was watching both Tokyuger and, uh, and, uh, Neat Injure. Well, you know, and then fine. I mean, at least though with Tokyuger, I finished it, but hey, with Neat Injure, I'm like, you know what? Do I really need to do these shorts? Nah, I'm gonna stop. Right. But, right. Um, so I am enjoying, uh, Juoger. Um, and I, I've honestly, I even told Anthony this in the conversation. I do think that this could be the beginning of another golden age that Super Sentai is going because with the new Sentai that's been announced uh, recently, and we'll talk about that more at the beginning of our next video when we have more people in on this review, on the review, I do think that Super Sentai might actually start to get a lot better again. Not not that it was ever truly bad. I mean, I mean, has ups downs, but you know. It you know, it's I mean, okay overall, yeah, like, I but, think, but, Zool just pretty, it's like, doing really well, though. I mean, going into its 40th season, yeah, I mean, it's gonna have bad seasons here and there, I mean, and, uh, unfortunately, that's inevitable, and the same with Power Rangers, but, one thing that Super Sentai is able to do, that unfortunately Power Rangers has never been able to do, is give us good anniversary seasons. Yep. Um, and that's about all I have to say. I'm still loving Jew Oger. It's here to stay, and it's and dang it, I'm happy that it's here to stay. Right. Uh, you got anything else to say, Anthony? Um, I said all I need to say. Okay, so that's all that we have to say. I'm just happy that we were able to get this thing out. Um, get this thing out for the third time. I'm just glad to have this all over and done with so that we can move on to the more interesting stuff in Juoger. So, um, next time I'm hoping that we'll have Riz and, uh, Ronald and Ronald on and hopefully Chris too. Um, and yeah. we'll definitely have Riz on in the future when, spoiler alert, the Juogers cross over with the Go Tigers. But hey, we already told you that was going to happen in our Common Rider Blizzard review, so I guess we can't count that as spoilers. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, that's all I have to say. So, um, until next time, we are Anime Secrets. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and all that other stuff on social media. And, uh, if you haven't yet, check us out on iTunes, too, because we're actually getting a lot more hits on iTunes than we are on YouTube. Thank you for that, guys. You guys are awesome. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we are Anime Secrets, uh, and you and our Tokyo Secrets Review, and we are signing off. So until next time, later guys. Later.